Hi, Why Weddings family. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so happy to have you here with me. I took an unscheduled break because of COVID-19 and being quarantined. Real talk, being quarantined was hard on me. I miss people. And the uncertainty of wedding celebrations made it difficult for me to talk about. With things starting to open back up, it feels like the perfect time to start releasing new episodes. Today's interview I recorded earlier this year before Russ and I headed to Vegas. Man, that feels like a lifetime ago. But just a heads up, this episode does talk about adult themes. While not graphic, it may not be suitable for all listeners. And if that's you, feel free to skip this one and we'll see you in the next episode. When I announced that I was starting a podcast, I had a former bride and pelvic floor therapist reach out to me. It was so good to hear from her and to catch up on where they're at now. And I loved the topic that she proposed we discuss, sexual intimacy. One of my goals with this podcast is to bring you real world tips to make your wedding day the real life fairy tale you dreamed of. In case you haven't guessed already, we're talking about the wedding night. The wedding night brings with it a lot of expectations and a lot of emotions. The two most common seem to be excitement and anticipation on one side and nerves and apprehension on the other. Most everyone falls somewhere on this scale. I've said this before, but it bears repeating. There are no have tos when it comes to your wedding day or your wedding night. I announced that I... I announced that I'd be chatting with a pelvic floor therapist on all my social media outlets, and you guys had so many questions about what a pelvic floor therapist is and what they do. So in this episode, we discuss what is a pelvic floor therapist, how do they help, is seeing one right for you, and some tips to have a fun and enjoyable wedding night. And now, my interview with women's health physical therapist treating women's issues, including the pelvic floor, for over 10 years. Her favorite part of the wedding is watching a couple look at each other for the first time after they have been announced as Mr. and Mrs. I'm pleased to introduce Pauline Hannon, PT, DPT. Welcome to the Why Weddings Podcast. I'm your host, Morgan Powell. I am so excited to share insights from leading wedding professionals with you. Tune in each week as we discuss traditions, trends, and tips for the modern couple. Let's plan a wedding. Polly, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. Oh, it's so good to see you. So for those listeners out there who may not know, Polly was actually a bride of mine. <laughs> How many years ago now? Three. Three. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Time just flies. It does. It just flies. So three years ago, Polly was a bride of mine and I got to <laughs> photograph her wedding and I'm so excited to get to chat with you today. Same. <laughs> Wonderful. So let's start at the very beginning because most of what I saw when I asked people or told people that you were coming on was what is a pelvic floor physical therapist? <laughs> It's definitely a showstopper at parties for sure. <laughs> so by nature and by training, I'm, I'm a physical therapist, just like if you had knee pain or shoulder pain, but I continued my training and did different rotations that focus more in treating women's health issues. 
So whether that's incontinence, pain with intercourse, leakage, which is the same thing as incontinence. Um, I help kiddos as well, men sometimes, and women recovering after they've had babies, other postpartum issues, uh, post-mastectomies, all women's health issues. But I took my training a little bit in a different direction than a lot of my classmates, just because I saw a need that there was a lot more women out there that needed a lot more help and they just weren't getting it. Very nice. So this is part of your schooling. So what kind of schooling did you do in addition to getting your physical therapist license that really focused in the pelvic floor? So we have the option of doing, not the option, we're required to do a lot of different rotations. So I did some in a hospital in Las Vegas, um, an orthopedic clinic in Texas. And then I got lucky, really lucky, and got to do a rotation down at the women's hospital in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, where it was mostly pelvic floor (laughs) issues. And to be quite honest, I actually thought I was getting into more um, post-cancer care because that's who I had shadowed. And I had seen the happiest of these patients who are enduring cancer, which seems quite opposite of what you would expect. And so I thought, you know what, I'm not, I'm not doing any pelvic floor. I thought it was kind of gross <laughs> to be <laughs> honest. And then I, I sat there and I listened to enough stories where women felt like their marriages were falling apart. They couldn't go see their grandkids graduate from college or high school because they would leak through the whole thing. There's all these stories. And I remember there's a couple points that I just really felt strongly. This is not about me. It has nothing to do with my thoughts or beliefs on this these women need a lot more. And so that's really where I received most of, or I guess my introduction to, to treating the pelvic floor and other women's health issues. And then I uh, took some training through some extra training, continuing education courses through the section of women's health through the American Physical Therapy Association, and then a lot of classes through Herman and Wallace, who specialize in treating the pelvic floor and other women's health issues. Very cool. That is very cool. So I had actually heard about this from somebody who was seeing a pelvic floor specialist in regards to postpartum with childbirth. Mm -hmm. And that was the first that I had heard of it. And so I was so excited when you reached out and said, hey, (laughs) let's talk about this, because I think this is something that we just, for whatever reason, have really shied away from. Mm -hmm. And yet, as I was doing a little bit of research and study, and I would much rather just talk to you than have to like (laughs) go to Google or Pinterest and try and figure it out. It's a little (laughs) scary, but looking at it, there are so many issues that can be solved or or helped specifically in terms of this podcast in relation to intimacy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know about you. It seems to me that there are one of two types of families. Mm-hmm. There are families that talk bodily functions mm-hmm. and there are families that talk about sex. Mm-hmm. Rarely do they over, <laughs> do they cross over? Sure. So, so my family was a clear bodily functions family. Yes. And <laughs> you know, not that we didn't have the talk and understand the mechanics of everything, but like that was just not something that we talked about mm-hmm. around the dinner table. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. So tell me a little bit. You've been um, speaking to classes at Brigham Young University mm-hmm. here in, in Provo, Utah. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it about or what type of class is it that you talked to and why did they feel 
Um, how did you get hooked up with them? So I recently moved to Utah about three years ago and I started noticing, I think just because of the population, I had a lot more younger females, whether they were newly married within the last year or so, or even just, oh, I'm actually getting married in three weeks and I can't get a tampon in. So what can you do to help me? And so I noticed that there was, there was such a large population and I thought, I don't know how to make a dent in this because I'm only not to be conceitful or prideful, but there's only one of me. There's others out there. There's only one person. (laughs) I mean, there's others out there like me, but it's still hard for us to make a dent in it. And one of my patients, they suggested that I reach out there's a premarital class that they teach. Um, the topics are conflict resolution, healthy sexuality, finances, all those things that you know that we should be talking about before we get married. And they suggested I reach out and see what see if they would let me come speak. And so they did, and it was it was really fun to be able to talk about and answer their questions that they had or even concerns, whether their own parents wouldn't answer or they're afraid to ask their friends. Or a lot of times my opinion is I don't think their friends are 100% honest with them about how sex really happens or the components of it or logistics or strategy or, or that type of a thing. So I just noticed that there was a large influx of young female patients and I wanted to be able to make a dent in changing, changing the story for a lot of them because it's, it's hard and I'll, I'll be 100% honest. I I'll either cry with a patient when they're telling me their story or I'll cry afterwards. And I had a gal come in, um, I won't share too much, so I'm not breaking any HIPAA, but they've been married for a year and they still have yet to be intimate. And it broke my heart because intimacy is such a vital component of marriage. And I, I want them to have a different story. I don't want that to be the case for every, every married woman. Yeah. Well, and regardless chosen as a couple, I think there are lots of people who wait until the wedding night to Mm -hmm. be intimate. And so you don't really know that these are maybe some issues that you're going to be dealing with Mm -hmm. until you now have been told that this is something that you should be doing. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you now feel like a failure because Mm -hmm. you can't and you don't know why and you don't know where to go and you don't know who to talk to Mm -hmm. about this. And so I am so excited to, (laughs) to dive into this. Um, everything we've talked about on the podcast is everything from engagement to honeymoons. Mm -hmm. And so really, as we have gotten into some of the traditions, everything surrounding a wedding is about, having babies and Mm -hmm. keeping the the (laughs) line going. Um, It's all about fertility and Mm -hmm. and being lucky in in having children. And Mm -hmm. so I so appreciate you being on here. Absolutely. So let's dive in to some of the the nitty gritty of of how we can make sure that your wedding night (laughs) and your honeymoon is not a miserable experience. Yes. Yes. Let's. The women out there deserve it. <laughs> they do. They do. So when a girl or a woman comes to you for the first time and mm-hmm. says, I'm having a problem with this, walk me through kind of what your process is. What, what are, where can we start okay. with trying to figure out how to, to make this a good thing? So a lot of times when a patient comes to see me, they'll say, well, I, I'm, I'm having pain with sex and I'll, and I'll keep this very specific to the, I don't want to say younger, but those getting married and, and I'll even reference back. You said 
a, a lot of couples may wait to be intimate before they get married. And so I have zero opinion on that, whatever, whatever works best for you. Um, sometimes, sometimes even pain with intercourse can come after you, you very well could be sexually active for a period of time and then start to have, that's a topic for another day, but I don't want any woman to feel excluded in this. Um, unfortunately it can happen at, at any age in any stage. So they may come to me and say, well, I'm either, you know, it, it hurts to have sex or I, I can't have sex yet. And so a lot of what I do, which very well is not going to serve <laughs> anyone on this po- podcast by, by me treating them individually, but we, we kind of walk through some of, some of the basics to start with. So I'll kind of keep my treatment. It's not really relevant necessarily here. Cause I, I want, I want these ladies to have take home options and some, some things that they can really say, Oh yeah, that's me. I'm getting married in a month. Oh my word. I better get to work. Yes. So a lot of times I'll start and say, listen, you're, you're not the only one. There's lots of statistics out there. Um, the largest one I've ever seen is three and four women at some point will have pain with sex in, in their lifetime, which is really too high, but we'll, we'll start by, I'll show them um, a model of the pelvic floor and you're welcome to Google it. Like Morgan said, it can be a little scary. There's some I would deem inappropriate things in the sense if your grandma walked up behind you and you saw some things, you might (laughs) feel a little embarrassed. But if you Googled um, pelvic floor anatomy, that I think that might be a good place to start just to start to understand the pelvic floor. It's, It's a pretty complex group of muscles. One of the components that plays into having pain with intercourse is that your muscles aren't functioning well. Just like if you're running and you're having a tough time, is it your muscles not working well? Is it your joints? Is it your ankle, your knee, your hip? there's just dysfunction. That's, that's all that it is. And so I like to relay that so that, you know, this has nothing to do with you as a person. This doesn't influence your sexuality. It doesn't influence your future. It's just your muscles aren't working well. Olympic athletes have had a lot of issues, I'm sure with their, (laughs) with their joints and their muscles and their tendons. It doesn't necessarily indicate what their future is. And I'm sure there's many athletes that can attest to that. So we go over the, the anatomy, but also kind of explaining to them a little bit when you, when you're, and you guys can't see me when I'm doing this, but you have the, you have the vaginal opening or the introitus is what we call it. And if you, if you can imagine that there's, I call it the vaginal vault or sometimes even the vaginal hallway, but at rest though. And then, so you have the opening and then right past that, there's a hallway and then it opens up into a great room or the pelvic cavity, however, however you want to describe it. It's, it's tough not to be able to use my hands to show you what I mean, but at rest, those tissues of that vaginal vault or hallway, they're either touching or they're almost touching. So normally when we insert something, whether that's a finger, a penis, a tampon, a speculum, those tissues should part ways and accommodate whatever it is that we're inserting. So Because there's muscles there, sometimes muscles can be really tight and they're not doing a very good job of accommodating. So when I mentioned dysfunction before, that's what the issue is, is there's more than likely there's dysfunction of those muscles. And a common complaint people will say, or, or they'll say something, something to the effect of feels like I'm hitting a wall or a ridge and it's just muscles that are really, really tight in it. And it does because of what I do, my, I do insert my finger vaginally with their educated and informed consent. And, and that's what it, that's what it feels like. It feels like a wall or a ridge, but it's just where those muscles are really tight. Just where I'm sure you carry some stress cause you're a busy uh-huh. <laughs> working woman, Miss Morgan, you know, stress up in our upper traps and our shoulders. Yes. It's tight like that. It's tight in our pelvic floor. And so those muscles aren't doing their job like they're supposed to. 
So we talk about that. And then the other component that I really like them to know is really encouraging them to seek a sex therapist. Unfortunately, they, they don't get the clout and the respect I think that they deserve. I think they think it's a lot like, um, is it meet the Fockers? Is that that show where, you know what I'm, Uh I've seen the clip and I, um, uh, it's gosh, is it De Niro and yeah, Robert. um, Yeah. 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 And Barbara Streisand. Yes. Yeah. You're watching it. And again, not that I'm saying it's inappropriate, but if your grandma was sitting there, you probably would. Anyways, that that's not what sex therapists do. (laughs) Um, but I often encourage them to do that for a couple reasons, but I also like to reference them. There's a, there's a study that was done and I forget how long ago that it was, but they wanted to know, the researchers wanted to know which muscles contracted first when we were nervous, anxious, scared, Stay tuned. We'll be back after a short break. Are you enjoying Why Weddings? If you answered yes, I'd love to connect with you on Instagram at Why Weddings Podcast, where I share even more traditions, trends, and tips for the modern couple. Now, back to the show. So then you start to consider that, okay, well, let's say you, you are married and you you know, your husband puts the moves on you or it's the first Friday of the month. Not that I want that to be the case for any woman. Um, stereotypical that you're only having sex the first or the first Friday of the month or one day of the month. Hopefully it's more than that, but that you start to think, Oh no, Oh no. And without even realizing it, those pelvic floor muscles are tightening up because you've had this ongoing issue with pain with sex. And so I want them to know that upfront so that they can kind of know it's not you someone will say, Oh, well, every time I think about it, I must be making it worse. Well, that's your body trying to protect you. It's okay. But knowing that you can change the wiring of that. So you can say, Oh yeah, Polly told me that it's just my muscles not doing their job or I'm just scared. And it's my body's way of protecting me. So you can kind of change the language a little bit. So those are the first two big things that we start with. So, and when you recommend going to a sex therapist, do you recommend as a couple that they go or individually Um, I mean, I know it probably depends somewhat Mm -hmm. on the situation, but is there reasons, what would be the reasons for each of those? That's a really good question. I partially because of what I do and because I'm not a sex therapist, I, I can't always speak to that. I really encourage them to do what resonates with their gut. If it makes them feel really uncomfortable to go with their husband or soon to be husband, I would say then go by yourself for a bit because maybe, you know, maybe they might be able to teach you some tools that would make you a little bit more comfortable to talk to your soon to be husband about these things. I think understanding our sexuality can be tough sometimes, whether you've been married or you are going to be married, it can be tough. And there's so much that plays into our sexuality in Mm -hmm. terms of how we were raised and the marriage relationships that we saw and encountered and, you know, how our parents and with divorce, you know, if there's that kind of stuff. In fact, um, I was talking to my husband about something completely different than this. (laughs) Um, but I, I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about how they didn't realize how much their parents' divorce played into some of their thoughts and feelings Mm -hmm. until they got married. Mm. And all of the sudden it was, oh, well, these were like deep-seated, deep-rooted issues that they go, well, 
my example was a negative relationship, a negative marriage relationship, and mm. some of the issues that came up with that. And so I think we don't give enough credit to how much our upbringing and our situations mm -hmm. play into us. And same thing for your religious beliefs and political and mm -hmm. all of that kind of stuff really does play into our sexuality and how we feel about it and how we address it and, and deal with it. Yes. And I'm glad you brought all those up because I, that's why I, I tell them, do whatever you feel comfortable with, because that's, that's where you should, you should start anyway. So, well, we're trying to get them comfortable to begin <laughs> right. with. Right. We don't want to do anything that makes you any more tense yes. or stressed out. <laughs> yes. And, and I think it's, it's something too, where, um, like you brought up, there's so many different factors that play into how you may view yourself or intimacy or marriage. I think there's a lot of learning, but also to remember too, that this is, it's, it's at your pace and really the goal is for you to feel empowered. Yes. That's, that's really at the end of the day. I mean, the fact that you're doing something about it and you're saying, you know what, I want to show up for my best self because I, I want to have sex with my husband and I want to be able to participate in that with him. Or, I mean, the, the dialogue could be anything, but even just making sure that you're recognizing those wins along the way, no matter what, I mean, maybe you might be listening to this and thinking, oh my gosh, yeah, I have this and I have this and oh yeah, I have that. Don't, don't let it be something that's stacking up against you. Feel empowered that you know, oh my gosh, yeah, I might have all this stuff, but I also know, okay, I, I can go get help and I can get better and I can move past this and, and consider this, I guess, the silver lining in your marriage and your intimacy and finding your sex or I guess identifying your own personal sexuality that you're going to come out better and you're going to come out stronger because of whatever might be stacking up against you or whatever issues you might be facing. I love that. I remember before I got married, um, I was talking to a friend and they said, you know, this is something that regardless of decisions before at mm -hmm. this point, this is something that this person is, gets from you that nobody yeah. else does. Uh -huh. Um, and like I said, no judgment on life choices, right, right, right. but when you decide to marry somebody from that point, moving forward, mm -hmm. that's something that they get that nobody else does. And yeah. so being empowered with that is something that I don't think a lot of women anticipate to yeah. be like totally open with you guys. I didn't anticipate it. I, <laughs> I, in fact, I remember talking to my husband and I just said, I didn't anticipate how much that would mean to me in our relationship and to be able to connect that way and mm -hmm. to feel like we were on the same page. And it changed as silly as this is going to sound. <laughs> it changed how I walked down the street. Yeah. I was like, Dang, somebody <laughs> finds me sexy. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad. And 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 that was something that I was not prepared for. Like it was mm. a great thing, but not prepared for that and cool. to deal with those emotions that came with it. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, if you add religion into it, then the feeling of like, well, should I feel this way and shouldn't mm -hmm. I feel? and like I've been taught my whole life that you you don't but you do it and it just gets sure. a little murky. Yes. So, so it is, I think something that is very empowering when done mm -hmm. the right way. And, yeah. and it's really not, I think so often we get caught in these 
it's about your husband and make, meeting his needs. And yeah. that's not what that is. That's not what this is at all. I think you, you bring up a lot of points, really great points about how women, I think we kind of get lost in the intimacy part, whether it's a religious thing that, oh, I, I shouldn't feel this way or I shouldn't desire sex. But a lot of sex therapists will, will tell you that if, if a man can focus on pleasing the woman, both parties are going to be taken care of and it's, and it's going to be an incredible, incredible experience for the both of them. And I think a lot of women miss out, whether that's because of hormones, because it hurts, because truly who wants to do anything that hurts, right? right? <laughs> I'm not signing up for that. Never. Um, but there's a lot of women that don't know that it shouldn't not hurt. So I think that, I think women miss out a lot. I mean, we could probably be here for a while talking about <laughs> like how deep rooted some of these things are. And, I, and I'm not one to dwell in the past. I'd rather say, yep listen, what, what do you want for your life? If you want to be an empowered sexual being, then go like there, there's stuff out there to help you. There's, there's people out there to help you. There's programs to help. There's people who will support you in that. And, and truly and just go do it. Yeah. Just, just go do it. Yes. No, no pun intended. Oh yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> I forget those. <laughs> no pun intended on that, but no, it is. I, I tend to be the same way. It's, Yes, it happened and it might be playing a factor, but you have control over your destiny. Absolutely. And so if you want to change it, change it. Yeah. So I love that. So with all of that, we kind of know what can be causing some issues and, mm -hmm. and we know that it's not your fault. It's not your fault as a, a woman. Lots of people deal with this. Yes. And so the first thing I would say is, you know, find... Find somebody who can help you, mm -hmm. but maybe the funnest part, can I say that? Yeah. Like what can they do on their own and yeah. with their partners to make this a good experience for them? So I will have some patients that say, oh yeah, right. You're not, you're not touching me. That's me and my husband only, which good for you that you have set your own boundaries and what you're comfortable with and not comfortable with. I think that would be the first thing that I would, I would say to do is, is know what you're okay with and know what you're not okay with. If your gut's telling you, Oh, like if, like if I'm sharing a tip, which I will hear in a, in a minute or a second, a minute, cause I talk way too much. If you, I mean, if, if your gut's telling you, Oh no, 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 nope, nope. Never doing that. Totally fine. It's your body. You should get to decide what happens or, or doesn't happen. So first I would say, know your boundaries and, and it's okay if, if you're thinking, Oh, there's, and the other disclaimer I'll add is if you're waiting for, um, for, to be intimate until your wedding night, some of these things may not be the best to have your fiance help you with, <laughs> but it also, I, I do think it can. Um, and again, whatever you feel comfortable with, whatever you feel like you're, what, what, what's comfortable within your confines. Cause I'll, I'll share a couple of things and my husband will be mortified that I share some of these, <laughs> but we just won't tell him that you're on that's, or just fast forward through those parts. Yeah. He probably won't listen. Um, but I think it brought up a lot of good. This is what I do, but it, it brought up a lot of different things and you, you'll understand when I get to it, that it, it also made him aware, Hey, okay. Like this might be something I might need to be a little cautious about or, mm -hmm. or what have you. So, okay. First set your boundaries. Second thing is I would assess what your, 
where you're at with tampons. That's being inserted vaginally. So, you know, some people can only tolerate a slim. Some can't even tolerate anything. Some can do um, a regular or super, or super plus. So wherever you're at, I would actually start with that. And with the tampon still in the applicator, I would recommend the, the plastic ones. And I might even use a water-based lubricant with it just to make sure that nothing's dry, there's no friction. And then I would start around the clock. So if the opening, the vaginal opening or the introitus, you're going to just take that tampon and start at 12 o'clock, 12 o'clock being like closest towards your head, six o'clock being towards your anus and just kind of press around the clock. If you find a spot that you think, oh yeah, that's kind of uncomfortable. You can gently press on it. You can gently massage it. You can, you know, apply pressure on or off. The goal is for you to be successful. So that's where I would start. For those who can't tolerate a tampon yet, um, I might like get a slim with lots and lots and lots of lube. And I would just let it rest at the opening. I hope this is not I don't consider this X-rated or anything, but just let it sit there because again, those tissues know what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to accommodate. So if you just sit there, do some really deep breathing, look up diaphragmatic breathing. I won't go into that too much so that we're not off on a tangent, but if, if you Google that, I promise you there's tons of YouTube videos on it. Do some deep breathing. That pelvic floor should follow your breath. And so in time, you, you should be able to get to get that tampon in. And a lot of times people will reference, oh, what about dilators? I won't use this as a, as my platform or I guess soapbox. Sometimes they can be a little intimidating. And like that study I referenced before, if you see this big, huge dilator and think, well, dang, I can't even get a, a super in. What makes you think I can get something in as big as a Coke bottle? That's not happening. Those muscles are going to tighten up. And so I like people to start, start with where you're going to win, start with where you're going to be successful and something that is familiar. Yes. It, tampons are very familiar. Yes. We have all seen them. We mm -hmm. all know what they are. They're not scary right. other than if you can't insert one, but yeah. it's not this like crazy medical, you have to go to a special place and right. all of that. So Yeah. And I, I think even too, for some women, dilators are considered not okay, or it's considered a sex toy. And, and at the end of the day, you, you have your perspective and your opinion. So if you're thinking, oh, I would never use then you don't, you don't have to use them. It's, it's totally okay. Work with where you're at. Great. Stay tuned. We'll be back after a short break. Last year, while we were in Vegas, we went to a club that had silent disco headsets. For those of you who aren't familiar with the model, you go into a room, put on a pair of headphones where the music is being played through and have a dance party. There's no traditional speakers. And let me tell you, it was so much fun. We had a blast and it was such a unique experience to have. Now you can share in the Vegas and cruise ship experience of Silent Disco with your guests at your wedding. This segment is brought to you by Mobile Party Starters. We bring the party to you. Now back to the show. That's, yeah. I mean, I think we can't say it enough of you need to trust your body mm -hmm. and work where you're at and and start where you're at. Don't compare where your friend's at or maybe your sure. sister or whatever. So that's great. Number three, I think is, are yes. we on at yeah, three? Yeah, no, we're at, we're at number three. Um, so once you get to that tampon and you feel, you know, comfortable pressing all around, you really can go a couple different routes and this is where it kind of gets specific. So this might be a point where 
you know, maybe they're okay. And we're, we're, we're just going to assume that, you know, this, that you're waiting. If you're not, um, you can still use these. Maybe they might be a little bit out of order, these tips and tricks, but maybe, maybe it's the wedding night or it, it will be in a week or two. Oftentimes I'll encourage them. So whether they bring their fiance in or I tell them to have the conversation, I'll have them ask a couple different things. And again, this is all their their option. I'm not trying to play a sex therapist, just give them the options to be able to prepare. Just like if somebody came to see me for knee pain and I don't quite understand your sport, help me understand the sport so I can better help you. This is kind of the same thing. I understand the sport. I'm probably not an expert, but I, but I understand (laughs) it in the capacity of your pelvic floor better than most people. So I'm helping you break it down so that you can apply whatever it is that you need to. So the questions that I'll ask and and I'll be totally forthright. I asked my husband and he about passed out. And I said, hey, what what size are you? What do I need to work with so I can be able to, so that I know what I need to be prepared for? And truly he, he almost <laughs> passed out and said, I'm not, I'm not telling you that's inappropriate. I waited. So this is something that I needed to be able to prepare for. And I, I wanted it to be a great experience. And so because I didn't have dilators, I randomly throughout that day, I just would say, bigger than less than, and then like would hold up an object. And then he actually wouldn't say anything. He would just give me a look. (laughs) So knowing what size you need to be able to work with, I think is helpful so that, you know, Oh, whoa, I, so, so you have good expectations. So that would be one of the questions that I would consider talking about. The second thing is, is really talking about and understanding foreplay. So the body, the woman's body needs at least 20 minutes of foreplay the man typically is ready to go when he's ready to go, when he's ready to go. And although I'm a tad bit jealous, but foreplay is a really fun, fun component of it. I mean, it is. Well, and I think there's so many ways that you can incorporate foreplay. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously manual stimulation and some of mm-hmm. those kinds of things, but like even sending sexy texts yeah. during the day yes. and there's so many different ways that, mm-hmm. I mean, think about that if your husband's at work or you're, fiance or whoever, and Mm -hmm. and you're back and forth sending, you know, sexy (laughs) gifts or texts or whatever. By the time he gets home at night, Mm -hmm. you've had eight hours of, of getting turned on. Yeah. And I'll even say, I don't, Morgan may know this. She may not know this, but the women's, the largest sex organ in a woman is our brain. If the man can start at the beginning of the day knowing, okay, I totally want to have sex tonight. This is going to be a better thing for her. And it's going to be a better thing for me. I'm going to take out the trash like she asked me to. I'm not uh-huh. going to keep this to- the toilet seat up. I'm not. And I realize these are very stereotypical things, but whatever it is, again, this is where that conversation happens. And I still have this conversation with my husband. Okay, um, you playing the Xbox does not put me in the mood. Just FYI. Uh-huh. So that helps us to be able to be in a better place because I'm not at that point. I'm not interested because I yeah, personally just despise the Xbox. <laughs> But really understanding foreplay and even understanding it's going to be different. If Morgan and I sat here, which we won't, but if we sat here and talked about like what she enjoys for foreplay, there's a very good chance it's very different for her than what it is for me. And that's something I don't want to say it's necessarily private because I will say I've, I've heard, you know, talking about this with friends, I thought, Ooh, I might want to try that at home. That sounds uh-huh. kind of cool. And there's times that I've done it and I'm like, that is terrible. <laughs> I have about zero interest in that. Why does that work for you? <laughs> but I also, I mean, it, it can be private. It can not be. But also I think, again, that's where that empowering comes from, knowing 
whoa, like I, I know what I need to be able to put myself in a place or to tell my husband to do this, to help, you know, put myself or move myself into this place where I feel really good. And so I think having that long conversation about, about foreplay, and especially if you've waited, when I say foreplay, it is not uncommon for women to say, now, what exactly is that? Can I Google that? Is there a book? Is there... And I mean, that, that might be a whole nother podcast in itself. <laughs> Probably. I'm not sure, but, but really understanding and taking ownership of what foreplay is for you. And then the third thing within the third topic of what we're talking about in terms of having a conversation with your husband or fiance is letting them know what you're experiencing. And again, that's what it is choose what is comfortable and okay for you. So I went to, and I'll maybe be a little more bold. Morgan can edit this out if she wants to. So I went to my husband and I said, listen, um, when I started using tampons, I had pain with insertion. I know what to do to fix it. So I'm just letting you know, I have a history of that. I'm, I'm good to go. I've, I've done the around the clock with the tampon applicator, everything that I told you guys I've done that. But then I told my husband, here's what I've done. So I need you just to be slow. Foreplay needs to be a little bit longer. And, and without going into too much detail, even telling him he, because he loves me, you know, I'm his lady and I'm, I'm sure your man and your fiance feels the same way about you. They don't want to hurt you. And so letting them know that they need to be just a little bit careful and then, you know, that might even open up like, no, if I, if I tell you that, oh yeah, you're okay. Or, oh, hey, slow. Or do tell them, you know, make it be a a place in a space where you can be honest of what you're okay with. Or, you know, if you say stop or, oh no, no, that's fine. That they can believe you that you are fine and you can keep going. So those are kind of the things that we talk about. That's tip number three, (laughs) (laughs) 3.3. Stay tuned. We'll be back after a short break. Subscribe to Why Weddings, Traditions, Trends, and Tips for the Modern Couple on Stitcher Radio, Google and Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're currently listening, so you never miss an episode. Now, back to the show. Oh, boy. (laughs) But the thing I love about that is, and again, it has to be something that you're comfortable with, but for me, when, when I was thinking about having these conversations and with my background, like we said, not coming from a family that talked about sex. Mm-hmm. I remember being a little like, well, I, I don't know how to talk about sex. Oh yeah. And so, but having those conversations and, and going, you know what, this feels ridiculous to me, <laughs> but I'm going to just say it because I don't know how else to say it has been really helpful with other forms of communication because mm-hmm. it's like, if you can talk about something that is really uncomfortable or super private that you're not used to talking about, when you say, Hey, you not taking out the trash really does this for me. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, it makes some of those other conversations a little bit easier to have. So true for, for me, that was the case. Mm -hmm. And so, and I I would say the other thing is that these conversations don't stop. You don't have them once before you get married and then like the rest of your life, you don't talk about it because seasons change, situations change, life happens, and maybe you're under a lot of stress at work. And Mm -hmm. so you're having issues that are not related to your husband Mm -hmm. or to it's something completely different. And I mean, I've had to say that before where I'm like, it is not you. 
Yeah. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> like, it's not that I have a headache. I'm not trying mm-hmm. to like not have it tonight, but it's just not going to happen because right. of that. So right. I realize I'm probably biased when I say this, but I think if you can, I don't, I don't really know what word to use, but if you can master intimacy and when I say master, I mean, be open and talking with your spouse about it, feeling like, okay, like there's still more work to do. You know, there's more development that I, that I have to do. But if if you can master that, I really do think it, it plays a larger role into the other facets of a marriage because it's not uncommon when, when women come in and you know, their husbands come too. both of them are, are devastated that they can't be intimate, that it's not enjoyable for the both of them and, and not being able to be intimate totally, messes with all the other components of their relationship. So on the flip side, if you can, and I'm air quoting, master your intimacy and your your sex life, in turn, I think that's going to play positively into all the other components of your marriage and really in a way elevate it. So you're, I don't want to say you're, you're in a position to avoid all the fights and the bickering and and all that, (laughs) the, the stuff that helps you grow you're not going to avoid that, but I think that you're in a better position to have a better marriage because you can talk about those things and you're willing to, you know, put the work in to improve this area. And I mean, the list goes on and on. Yeah, no, I, I love it. (laughs) I am loving this conversation so much. (laughs) I like talking about it. It makes some people uncomfortable, but I, I love it because I've, I've seen the changes that that people get to have Tr- yeah. truly women are different when they come in and, and they've said, Polly, we had sex last night and I didn't have any pain <laughs> and I was never a cheerleader, but I could have been with the squeals <laughs> and the cheering that I have because it's, it's amazing to see the change in them and the, the difference in, in their mannerisms and their face when, yeah, when they I, can enjoy it. I remember I had a friend whose uncle used to say when, the marriage is good. Sex is good. When the marriage is bad, sex is still good. Like, (laughs) like it can solve, (laughs) it can solve a lot of problems and a lot of that stress and tension that Mm -hmm. life gives you. Um, it's a fabulous release. So agreed. Agreed. (laughs) So moving on, what other tips do we have? Um, so I mentioned a little bit earlier about diaphragmatic breathing. I said, go ahead and Google it. And as we were sitting here, it's, it's still on my brain because I keep forgetting. So one of, this is a technique that I use, um, for a lot of my, uh, patients and it's something that it's kind of fun. So again, because I do a lot of internal work, I've felt I felt the tight muscles melt like butter. That's a phrase that gets said a lot in, in my office because those, those muscles really melt like butter when you can diaphragmatic breathe. So I had briefly mentioned when our pelvic floor should match what our breath is doing. So when we inhale really deep, our pelvic floor should lengthen or it should relax. And so if you're doing the around the clock with the tampon applicator, or if your husband or fiance is helping you, because, and, th- and that's another thing, I guess I should have included that as part of the conversation um, that you have with them. You can ask them to help you with that stuff if you want, whether he's doing the tampon applicator or he uses his finger, you can kind of incorporate that as foreplay if you'd like. But 
using that breathing can really help. And, and again, like I referenced that uh, research study earlier, deep breathing can help those muscles relax and help them melt like better. So when you're working on it or you're in the middle of sex and, you know, maybe one of you shifts or you move your leg or something and you think, oh, whoa, 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 go ahead, just stop. I mean, again, do whatever you want to do, but maybe for you mentally just stop and say, okay, oh yeah, Polly says to breathe. It's okay. Just like do some deep breathing. And then that muscle should, should eventually start Relax. to Yes. Well, I kind of think of it as you're sitting here describing it like a Charlie horse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, we all get Charlie horses in our uh-huh. muscles that, mm-hmm. and you're like, okay, I just got to breathe through it and, and it will, it will release it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't stay clenched forever. <laughs> right. Well, yes. In layman's terms. Um, absolutely. And here's the cool thing. Our, like I said before, our breath is tied to what our pelvic floor does. If we have a Charlie horse in our calf, our breath is not tied to what our calf muscle is doing. So, so again, knowing this, this hopefully helps empower you that you can know, okay, if my breath is tied to my pelvic floor, you, you truly have the ability to change what that muscle is doing in that moment. The human body is amazing. It really is. That's incredible that, <laughs> that we can do all of this. <laughs> my gosh. Anyway, so how, if there are, there are girls out there who are suffering, um, mm-hmm. because we know that this is not an uncommon thing. It's just an uncommonly talked about thing. Sure. Um, how do they go about finding a, a therapist that can help them and work with them if they're needing a little bit more than just some of these, these tips, they're needing a little bit more individual help. Sure. That's, that's really good. So my personal advice would be to go to the American Physical Therapy Association webpage. There is a, and I can't remember what theirs is called specifically, but find a PT. You can click, you can sort through their specialties and click on somebody. uh, It should say women's health that should, that should help you find somebody. And then don't, I mean, don't be afraid to call most. I'd probably say all of us that, that do this job, we're willing to spend five or 10 minutes with you on the phone to make sure that, that it's a good fit and that you feel comfortable with it. The other place that you can go is if you go, Oh man, Herman Wallace, they have a, they have a locator, a PT locator. Also that one, you have to click through um, a few more links to get to like, I think you have to click on the state and then, and then type in that. But that's, that's another, that's another resource that you can find and, and truly call them. I, I would be willing to bet that they would spend five or 10 minutes with you on the phone just so that, you know, and then finding somebody who has training in internal work, because that's a lot where, you know, if, if some of these tips aren't helping you, or if you're like, well, dang, I'm getting married in three weeks, I need to, I need to have some fast action having somebody who's trained to do internal pelvic floor work will drastically change your outcome. Very good. Fabulous. <laughs> Polly, thank you so much for being here. It's been so good to chat with you and hopefully this has been helpful for all of our, our listeners for both the men and the women. So, I mean, guys, <laughs> takes a little bit more to get the engine going. In fact, I think Jeff Foxworthy has a joke about his wife where she's like a diesel engine. It takes her oh. a minute to warm her up, but then she can go for a long time. It's very true. <laughs> so, very- so I so appreciate you being here and talking about of this course. and 
can't wait for that. We will link all of the the resources that you mm-hmm. gave me um, in our show notes so that you guys have. It's really easy to find. And thank you so much. Hopefully we have you back again. I'd love to. All right. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Share your wedding and engagement stories with us at morgan at yweddings.com for a chance to be a contributor on Why Weddings. This episode brought to you by Powell Weddings and Events. We treat you like family. Music provided by Tyler Olson with Musecape Studios.